0: Hey, everyone. I'm your host, Tom Shaughnessy, and welcome back to Chain Reaction, a research-driven podcast that's a part of Delphi Digital. If you're not on Delphi's research portal, you're missing out on the critical analysis read by the top minds in the crypto space, so be sure to check it out. One quick housekeeping item. Nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. I may personally hold tokens mentioned on the podcast, and you can view our show notes below for our complete disclosures. With that, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Delphi's Clubhouse Room. Try and do this every Thursday. And just for reference, this is being recorded, it's going to go out on our podcast. Uh, we'll give quick thirty second intros. The goal of this is definitely not to be a podcast. I want everyone to, you know, talk to each other, tear each other's plays apart, tell them you love them, whatever you guys are in the mood for. Hassan, let's start with you. We'll just go in order. You guys can all give you thirty second interview, uh, intros, and then we'll go from there. Uh, hi all. Uh, I'm Hassan Masiri. I'm a portfolio manager here at Arca. I, uh, I'm basically in charge of our derivatives and our all.
1: And,
0: uh, you know, researching and sourcing ideas and thinking about trends and in the space. Excited to be here. Thank you. Sasha,
2: you're up. Hey, everyone. Um, I, I also work at ARCA with Hassan. Uh, I'm the junior PM and special situations analyst. Uh, you know, I basically just do what Hassan tells me to do. And we make, uh, we, we try to make
0: informed decisions in the space. And me and you text each other 300 times a day, leaking alpha. CMS, you're up. <laughs> How's got going? Uh,
3: Dan CMS. So uh, CMS is uh, a private trading shop. We do a bunch of different things in the ecosystem. Primarily what I'm focused on is any and all liquid, active sort of strategies that we have deployed in the market at any time. Um, but obviously get roped into some of the new issuance side and a lot of my day-to-day now is
4: DeFi.
0: Hell yeah. All right, cool. You dox yourself so I can start calling you Dan. Andrew, you're up.
4: Hey guys, this is Andrew from Mechanism. We focus more on um, long-term venture DeFi plays, but uh, you know we'll do a variety of things, so uh, we'll actively trade as well and, and get some traditional equity deals as well.
0: Awesome, man. Great to have you on, Andrew. Tim, uh, what about yourself?
4: Hi, everyone, This is uh, TM, uh, co-founder at
5: CoinGecko. So, basically we are a cryptocurrency data provider. So, if you want to learn about any crypto, any exchange, any sort of market data, uh, you can hit over with the CoinGecko. Uh, we recently added a category section, which uh Try to categorize coins based on industry. So do check that out. And yeah,
0: good to be here. Awesome. Yeah, great to have you on. I'm sure everybody's going to share their top play and they're going to want you to, to list it. <laughs> Ryan, you're
5: up. Hey, guys.
6: I'm Ryan. I run my family office, Dialectic. It is an alternative assets focused family office. I suppose a lot of that focus is crypto, um, but we do some other things in venture like psychedelics who've got very strong thesis around China.
0: Generally, and, and are into a range of other alternative assets like metals and things like that. Awesome. Damn to have you on, Ryan. And Dan, you came late, so I got to say it again, but this is being recorded. But uh, Dan, give your uh, 30 second intro. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, Dan Elitzer, co founder of Mason's. We're a multi strategy crypto investing firm. We do both early stage venture, largely focused on DeFi, but we also portion that we focus on. Or liquid strategies and, and a lot of on-chain yield farming type activities. Awesome! It's great to have everyone. So, like I said, I want everyone to you know talk to each other. We'll, we'll go through each everyone's top play, everyone's top miss. We'll keep it conversational. I kind of like that versus the podcast, just easier. Hassan, or actually Sasha, let's start with you because I want Hassan to fix his AirPods first. But Sasha, you're on the hot seat first, man. What's your top play going into 2021? Could be DeFi, could be large cap, anything, and we'll see what everyone thinks about it.
2: So I'm going to, you know, obviously there's there's very good plays in DeFi right now. I'm just going to omit that because I know everyone else in this room will, will bring up some of the names that I could bring up, and I want to I want to make sure that they have that opportunity. We we've been at Arca. We've been big believers in uh, Hero HXRO. It's a you know, it's a position that we've held for a long time. You know, we've made that public a, a long time ago. They're they're tackling you know decentralized derivatives whether it be perp whether it be options you know they recently ported over to solana and you know i i just think that the decentralized derivatives as a whole is a sector that that is very promising for this year and even beyond and hero is just one of those projects that i think i think that the main the main issues right now is that there's there's not many ways to to get exposed to these projects you know it's, it's hard with so many derivative protocols and so many DeFi protocols in general it's very hard to to get that mind space and i think that with this you know eth eth gaspy narrative and this non-eth DeFi narrative i think it'll at least open people's eyes to to alternatives and i think that hero itself you know it's it, it, it can stand on its own two feet and i think all, all people need to do is try it out and uh you know the rest will speak for itself
0: yeah, that's fair. Anybody else try Hero out? I mean, we've done work for them in the past, you know, great founders. The Paramutuals are cool, super easy to use. Obviously, Solana would, would be cool. Dan, what about you? You used Hero. What's your take?
3: Um, yeah, like we, we, we obviously have like a bet on with it. Um, we've used it a bunch. Like we're, we're sort of a buyer of the overall thesis that um, in some capacity this year, there'll likely be a real liquid usable derivatives platform that's on-chain um i i'd say the stuff that's out there right now is not of the caliber that like we sort of think it is uh, that's not, not to say it can't get there like we even have bets on a lot of things that are sort of out there already um just that there, there'll be a competitor in the top five or six venues that um is a decentralized like option i think there's a lot of appetite to like move stuff that way and it's really not carved out or won by anybody at this like current juncture so like Heroes, somebody that we can clearly slide in there as like a potential like winner of that um there's, there's a lot. It's very much like an open field for that. But you can see the,
7: the shift in the desire to move that sort of activity on-chain.
0: Yeah, totally. Hasan, what about you? I mean, you're at ARCA with Sasha. Do you agree with us, these Sun Hero, or that's HXRO? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, I'm a, we're obviously, we're, we're big Hero fans. Um, we think the, like, I think the, I'm a big bull of Hero, but I think the distribution and, like, the usability of the site has to get a little better. It has to be a little more intuitive for retail or user to get in there um, and basically use it for what it's for what its intended purposes. I think right now, mostly mostly the, the most used game is like up down or like high low, where you're basically betting uh, whether it's gonna whether the market's gonna be higher or lower in like a one five or ten minute interval. And more to hero than that. But I think, as like the base case or like the first thing that people go to, um, it's a little daunting when you get to the site and you see how you know there's a lot of colors. And I just think it needs to be streamlined a little more. But for the most part, we I'm a big hero fan. Um, I think our one of the best one of the best uh, plays that has treated us really well this entire year is like the the SBF ecosystem play where you know the Serum Solana. FTT and Fida trades just you know and now the radium trade and i just think my preference for for investing in crypto is to have correlated concentrated bets yeah i prefer correlated concentrated bets with downside hedges so basically you know sbf ecosystem trade and then if you need to get on sides quickly you short eth or something like you know bnb cake auto uh Things like that, where if you're right and you catch the trend, you catch the narrative, you're going to do very well for a one, two month period. So with with that, I would say like that what's treated us best is the SBF ecosystem trade, and then things like non ETH uh, AMMs. So you know we were in the a- Avax Penguin trade, and there like obviously Cake BSC. Matic, matic quick things like that where like obviously uh, migration away from eth because the anti-eth hate was high so people are going to look for high throughput and uh rewards on on non on non-eth layer ones if that makes any sense
0: yeah no it does make sense and one question for you son what's the sizing that you guys are you know aping into this i mean you guys are a well-known professional fund a lot of like really solid LPs Yeah, are these like yeah. foundational positions for you? Are these like small kind of flyers? How do you size them up?
1: Yeah. Uh, so the way we think about it is like, we can be, I can be a hundred percent invested as long as I could be trading bigger than my book as long as I'm debt protected on the downside. So right now, you know, we have puts at like 50 and 48. And so like, as it goes lower, I can just buy more and more and more knowing I'm hedged. So like for something like where it's like a trend or, um, a narrative trade we don't really get too much bigger than like four to five percent um but that four to five percent is across like two sectors right so like if i'm in my spf trade and that's five or six percent then i'm in my finance in my trade and that's another five six percent like already you're trading at ten percent of your book right there so to answer your question i we do we do try to limit the exposure to because because it is so correlated and concentrated we do try to limit the overall max exposure to that position but i mean if you have puts and we generally do have puts you don't mind when it falls because you're going to buy more so i would say five to six percent per like trend trend trade if
6: that makes any sense
0: yeah no it totally does i, I like the sizing let's hop around a bit dan you're up next what uh what are you thinking on your top play for this year?
7: So, so uh, to be clear, we're talking about top plays we've made so far this year, or, or what we're looking for in the future.
0: That's a good question. I mean, you can take it either way you want. Um, so, top plays you're looking for, or top plays so far, is also interesting. But maybe something actionable that people could look forward to would probably be best. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, we've 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 talked a lot about some of these kind of new style stable coins, um, like uh, ESD and Frax and some of that. Stuff, and I, I I'm still very bullish there and i think it's interesting to see how the ecosystem is evolving and some of these projects
7: are uh really learning from each other very very rapidly because it feels like we're reapproaching the stable coin uh question where you know i'm really like three years ago the question was like is a stable coin a decentralized stable coin even possible and i, I think Dai did a fantastic job pretty like yeah we can we can get something that is pretty stable right not not as perfect peg, um, but, but close enough to be uh, useful for a lot of uh, different applications. And now we're starting to say, okay, how do we make these things more capital efficient and, and uh, scale a lot better, and not necessarily in relation to how much demand for leverage there is. And uh, so I'm excited to see how some of those experiments play out. And then it plays into another theme that I'm just looking very closely at, which is where can we make the most efficient use of capital and liquidity? And we're we're starting to see some teams uh, do some some really interesting stuff. I think the uh, BentoBlocks Plus architecture from uh, Sushi and the Balancer V two architecture both lend themselves to making much more efficient use of capital. And then. There are teams like Rari with their upcoming uh, I mean, few stuff that are are looking at taking assets that might not be able to be used in lending protocols otherwise and find a way to make them useful as collateral, taking some of these learnings about
0: having these uh, you know, variable interest rate curves that we've, we've seen a lot of lending protocols today. That's pretty cool, Dan. No, I know mean you've gone back and forth a lot on Frax, Ve, and ESD. It's been... Pretty cool to see them all play out. Andrew, I'd love to get your thoughts kind of on the algo stable coins or on other plays you're kind of looking at because I know you're pretty active here as well.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for us, we're also really excited about algo stable coins, it's a huge opportunity area. Um, you know, stable coins, I think right now are in the tens of billions of, of market cap. And I think that can easily reach, um, you know, the hundreds of billions sometime this year. Uh, and there's obviously a need for, um, you know, more decentralized alternatives, Um, you know, given the fact that we really only have uh, Dai right now, and that's kind of um, pseudo-centralized, decentralized. um, There's a lot of design challenges to work through. Um, You know, obviously, the design for, um, you know, ESD and DSD and a lot of the um, other earlier algo stables um, weren't able to kind of create stability, Um, although it seems like FRAX, which has been live for, um, you know, a few months now has, has done a really great job of, of keeping that peg. So, um, you know, we're seeing the newer algo stables and the older algo stables that are changing their model move more towards, um, you know, fracks like, um, you know, uh, fully collateralized, uh, partially reserved type model. In terms of newer opportunities, something that we've been thinking a lot more about recently is Bancor. And um, Bancor is a project that's been around for quite a while, around three years or so. And they've they've kind of struggled for adoption for the time that they've been around. And um, I think generally that's because, you know, they just haven't been able to find product market fit. But, you know, recently with, with Bancor 2.1 that's been out for a few months now, uh, I think they found a really interesting angle, which is that they're able to offer projects in permanent loss production. And, and that's huge because it allows projects to kind of... Um, Provide liquidity in, the, in a very risk-free way. Where traditionally it was it was very expensive to provide liquidity uh, under the market. Either you know you're you're paying market makers a lot of money, or you're incentivizing pool to, pool to liquidity. Right. So for for users in your um, community to provide liquidity to say Uniswap or, or Sushi Swap, and that's not something that you can do forever. Right. You can't uh, pay you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars every week for uh, perpetuity. So, improvement loss protection offered by Bancor allows projects to just kind of put their own treasury, right, or uh, to have people uh, people in the community uh, put their assets in and kind of retain their uh, long-only bias, right, without the risk of them losing coins if the price goes
0: up. That's awesome. Yeah, no, Bancor's gotten cool. a ton of attention. Oh, sorry, Andrew, you went out yeah, there. Yeah, Keep going. Yeah. I was just saying that that's actually really interesting that take on 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 Bancor. I think we'll see a lot of resurgence of, of projects that pivot and find product market fit. So it's awesome. Right. You've um, been around like longer than anyone here, I think. And that's a great point. What projects are, are you kind of laughing at that are now resurging that you kind of brushed off earlier in your career? Well, I mean there
6: there there are certainly lots that 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 have been written off where, where We're definitely laughing these days on the kind of second semester SAFs of 2017 that are that are kind of coming home now. So Filecoin, Polkadot, Definity, those are excited about just coming to fruition at at this point. Um, DeFi stuff, sort of day one, and you know Maker, Compound, um, DYDX, Rari, Idle Bond, uh, early in synthetics. First weeks, sushi, these types of things. I take a really like a portfolio approach to this space and try to try to construct a portfolio that has long tail exposure to a lot of experiments. And so, uh, yeah, I just love kind of you know the experimentation and lots of different things happening. However, the thing that I'm getting most excited about now is how the DeFi yielding and the gameplay in 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 blockchain games are starting to meld and like the yielding is playing the game. And so, you know, you guys were super smart and super early with respect to to Axie and seeing like just the power of Yield Guild. uh, And, you know, congrats on that announcement today and leading that. That's a, that's a great one. And it's a great one just from like a storing thesis perspective, right. To think about like, this is the sort of decentralized future that we, that we all hoped for, right? Like there's literally a warehouse of people in Manila by the thousands like playing, you know, playing this game and earning income, which, by the way, is better than the income that they lost uh, from, you know, from COVID. And so uh, this kind of stuff where the the gameplay starts to yield and, and we have to really think about crypto economics in a much more elegant fashion because you can't necessarily just have a game where you
0: you, you, know, you buy to win, uh, but then you do need to
6: provide adequate incentivization for capital deployers who are buying game assets like land and, and in-game items and, and tokens and, and things like that to have a relevant economy that, um, that produces compelling yield so that capital flows towards these instead of of, of DeFi projects and I, actually i wonder what you guys think if it's if the melding of like DeFi and games can you know it can be seen by the institutional types that are starting to look at the space as as kind of kooky and weird or
0: uh if it's just like you know all is fair love and war kind of thing yeah no that's that's a really good point i mean it's it's interesting to see so many people in developing nations like use Yield Guild to leverage, you know, potentially wealthier people's assets to earn yield and actually gain and earn an income. That's three, four or five X what they would normally make. And so that that's pretty cool. And we're also obviously big fans of NFTs that are yield generating. So, I mean, the popular access are fantastic. I don't own any CryptoPunks or anything because I just have questions around utility. But then again, that, that might not matter. But I'm definitely going to come back to this. Just have two more to go. Dan from CMS, you're up on your top plays.
3: Sorry, plus with the mute button. Um, right, so, yeah, I, like I said, like I, I'll give it more of a thematic because we've like placed a lot of different like sort of bets on it. Um, but really, like I was saying before, like the the movement of like there's a pretty good robust the sort of, spot market sort of dex system there. Like it's not perfect, it's not great. It's going to be iterated upon. But the the real big missing piece of the trading world is like all like the derivatives angles, right? Like I mean, if you look at the volume that trades on like perps and like quarterly futures. Options not so much though. Like there's a there's a world like that's something too. But like it, it dwarfs really like what the spot business is like doing. Like that that's where the action is. That's and I I think if you really want to move a material amount of like the economics sort of transactional activity that's like happening, you're gonna and like be competitive with the top two three change. You gotta like move that. Piece over as well, like that. That sort of ecosystem has to be like lifted and shifted in. So, like, there, there's a number of people looking to do this. this. Is like obviously like a huge opportunity that people see, and I, I think somebody's going to crack it. I think we'll have like a real sort of liquid on-chain derivatives um, market that's like built out over the next, call it twelve months. Like, I, I want to see like one of them like be competitive with like a, a centralized perp sort of world. Like, I, I don't think they'll beat out centralized venues um, really in any short order of time, but I do think they'll be. A reasonable execution platform, and and also just like the amount of problems that this market is sort of starting to throw. Being a player in the states, like I think that there's real demand for this stuff um, from that angle. Just from like a jurisdictional sort of arb, um, there's definitely a lot of like volume that's probably like not even accessing the market on a lot of those type of products, just because it's like really hard, if not impossible, sort of to get access to them. So I, and that's really where like we think the biggest Sort of value add and like money to be made is going to be on that iteration i mean like we're also very excited to trade it because like these things uh, on chain in particular like tend to be really banged up and like priced wrong for like a while um specifically like on on chain perf like take products when they get started so like we'll, we'll hopefully arb a lot of that out the centralized venues that's like our big plan for what we like think we're going to deploy a lot of resourcing on in the next like 12
0: months that's awesome Dan. no that's 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 a really good way to put it and Side note, love your intern account, by the way. Um, Tim, you're... He's,
3: great. he's He's an actual intern,
0: too. So like, oh, I, I thought it was you. No, no, no. no it's, he, we have an, an intern who I think will join
3: us, so he's got an offer if he wants to take it when he finishes up. He's got another semester, but and he like just did it on his own, and he like asked yes, if it was okay, and I was like, go crazy with it.
0: Yeah, if, Imagine starting a, a parody Twitter account at your first job. My God, I'd get fired in two seconds, but I love it. <laughs> Tim, you're, uh, you're last up. CoinGecko, would love to hear. I know this might not be a question totally up your alley, but you see so much on your platform. Um, We'd love to get your take, too.
5: Yeah, um, so we're, we're not a fund, so we probably won't be able to share a crypto plays in the short term uh, like the rest of, of the other panelists here. Um, but I would, I would probably share like some of the trends that we are seeing and, and this stuff that we're building here. So I think the, the multi-chain world is definitely inevitable. Uh, I think it was mentioned that, that the anti e aid uh, and whatnot. Uh, I think it's not so much about that by itself, but developers are just looking for uh, a chain that their problems can be solved. So as you can see, like like we're starting to look into uh, support for Matic, XDAI, uh, Binance Chain, Phantom, trying to get all the tokens added, trying to get all the uh, AMMs, the DeFi products added as well. And I think uh, it has been quite challenging, I would say, because the data are all fragmented across different chain. And and that's sort of segue to the data side of things. So uh, we have seen the graph uh, pulling off uh, pretty pretty well. Like, there's a lot of users using the graph, and then uh, Covalent has been doing a pretty good job as well. They are launching soon, um, and you look at Covalent, They are they are focusing on, on multiple chains uh, right now. I think they have Avalanche, uh, uh, Medic, and then uh, I think for Graph they just recently announced they'll be doing something on BSC if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and this would definitely be something that the the, the entire ecosystem will need because all these data are just so fragmented and difficult to access, and uh, they're not cheap to index as well. So some sort of a tokenomics and some of the decentralized system is definitely welcome. And for us, uh, looking at how they're doing it would definitely help us to learn a thing or two uh, as well. And the last point I want to make is also on the derivative protocols. Um, there is a certain interest in um, uh, perpetual perpetual futures uh, on the DeFi side. So we started integrating them. Uh, some of the problems that we see is that uh, how would they compare with the centralized world? Because if you look at products like FutureSwap, uh, it's, an entirely different model than what we are used to seeing on Big Max or Binance Futures, um, which questions like how are we are going to index them and educate them in a way that people can, can make sense. So, yeah, I think these are the two, three main trends that I think in 2021 that we'll definitely build some features to allow people to track.
0: That's awesome, Tim. And one quick question for you. How many people are at CoinGecko? It's got to be an army at this point.
5: At this point, we have uh, 30 people. And uh, yeah, I think a year ago, we were about 15, so we probably doubled within a
0: year. Wow. Jesus. No, that's a good way. Is anybody other than Ryan playing the game segment kind of pretty aggressively? I mean, at Delphi, we kind of are. We have have a bunch of investments like Axie, personal investments, in NFTs, Yield Guild, a bunch of others. Any other funds or people here playing either, you know, buying the native token of the games like Axie or others or the in-game items like land or the Axies themselves? This is obviously getting a lot of buzz beyond just um, helping out, you know, traditional communities.
2: Yeah. Uh, Hassan, do you want to speak to this?
1: No, nah, you're the NFT king. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so I mean, Tom, I'm sure you know, but uh, just for everyone else, you know, we we invested in the the seed round of Axie. Um, you know, we, we've been speaking to that team for almost a year now. I mean, they're great people. Um, they're a very focused dev team. You know, they run skinny and and uh, you know they're they're playing to their strengths. And I think that uh, I believe Ryan mentioned this, but uh, it's very true that there is a natural cohesive bond between uh, how gaming works and what digital assets can offer you know there's there's a composability factor of you know your sweat equity in a in a game where you spend you know hundreds of hours playing a video game you know you collect in-game items you collect your prestige and then eventually one day you know you don't want to play that game anymore and you want to move on to another game but you have to start from scratch and there's a there's a newfound uh, utility to owning your assets in game being able to port over your sweat equity to the new game and not having to start from scratch anymore. So, you know, Arca, ARCA as a hedge fund, you know, we we invested in Axie, the underlying token, because of the, you know, the path through economics of, of the token itself getting a, a claim to the transaction fees of the DAO. But, you know, personally, you know, I've, I've taken, you know, quite a fancy to, you know, digital land and, um, you know, Axies themselves. And it's it just something that makes sense to people that grew up playing video games, because you started, you know, playing Diablo two or CS:GO or Runescape, and you know, like there there was marketplaces even back then, where you know you can go to the Steam marketplace, or you can go you know to uh, more nefarious chat rooms, and you know you could you could trade in game assets for uh, you know for physical cash. And, Wait, know, there the was thing. more nefarious places than than Steam it chat rooms. Uh, there, yeah. was, there was there were some there were some very interesting places <laughs> that that bricked a couple of my computers as a kid for sure. Um, Sasha speak to like in this vein
1: speak to like what your thoughts are on obviously HashMax hash masks was first and that, or not first but was one of the earlier things that like blew up and then you know ETH punks and now you have like uh binance punks and bash masks yeah
2: uh what, like do you think it's diluting yeah uh, so, so there's two there's two arguments there there's one argument that you know copycats breed you know Pedigree, and that you know, if you're getting copied, that means that you probably did something well. And then there's the other argument that there's you know, there's only so much mind share in this space, and the more copycats that there are, the less you know available capital, and the less available you know time people have to spend on these things. I I, I lean towards following the originals. Um, you know, they're you know, <laughs> the new one of like waifus and, and this and that. They're all they're all playing the same textbook of like RNG rolling. Um, unique traits to art. And it, it's it's an interesting use case, but I, I tend to stick with the with the originals in, in both senses. I think that the other ones have a place, but it's you know, it's the same as, you know, taking a print of the Mona Lisa. I think are, that
0: Is anyone you know, here else though, like Sasha, your point, like is anyone else here like buying NFTs that have no utility? Like I'm a huge proponent of like innovation experiments, but like I think this is a, probably gonna burst and people are going to be left holding a bag of NFTs that don't do anything. Yeah, I mean, I think the real question, right, is how how many multiples do we go from here before that bursts? Uh, because because it's, yes. it still feels like it's it's just in some ways feels like it's just getting started, right? We're we're not even like fully fully mainstream celebs and, and musicians and folks coming on this.
7: So if it if it can be like you do one little thing and you make a few million bucks and there's no middleman, like we're going to start to see more celebs coming and do this and people are going to bid it up it's going to get crazy. Um, so I don't know we're not we're not currently making any plays in there because I just uh, it scares me I feel like there's other other things that I feel much more confident in but I'm sure that this will be a long-term trend like we will see NFTs that don't have like in-game use or something will be incredibly valuable in the future. I just don't know which ones and I don't know that they're
6: priced at a reasonable level right now. Yeah, uh, yeah I'd say, I I'd uh, say that our definitely has utility um it has utility to the collector and 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 whoever gets to enjoy it uh in the moment you're certainly going to see some like household name uh artists moving into to digital art via nfts uh well you're going to see more and more of it uh we're already seeing like you know shepherd Ferry uh just put out an nft and 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 so you're just going to see that that, that evolve. Um, generally, as cap, like professional capital allocators within the fund structure, you'd want to be super super careful with those types of things. Like if you're not, if that's not a, a seed stage play as a you know as an early stage fund, then just buying say CryptoPunks at a million dollars. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much upside. There isn't that for a fund right now, but certainly um, for people who enjoy art uh, and are not thinking about it purely in terms of like fund dynamics, alpha producing returns for, for LPs, um, uh, it, 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 it's great because it's, it's spurring adoption more than what we've seen. And adoption has been the big, like scary elephant in the room for a long, long time. Um, because it you know, it's been the same group of all of us since like forever. Right. And, and this is the first moment that we're starting to see, uh, other people like non crypto natives get really excited. So I'm kind of all for it in terms of the tech, although I, I agree with, with Tom's position that I, you know, I'm very cautious about deploying capital in, in, uh, NFTs
2: that don't have specific yield characteristics. Um, I, I would just like to like really quick. I, I think that both things can be true. I don't think it's mutually exclusive that, um, you know, we're, we're towards <laughs> the danger zone of, of, you know, where these things are pricing and what's happening. And, and also say that, you know, within the next, you know, five to 10 years, this is a space that is undoubtedly going to grow. And I, I, I would say that, you know, right now, like you're seeing stuff with, like NBA Top Shot where, you know, DeFi Ted is, you know, obviously unhappy with what's going on and there's some issues with the decentralization of that network, but you're also seeing, you're also seeing, you know, some things that are pretty obviously getting walked up in the second market. And so an abundance of caution is definitely necessary, but like Tom mentioned, there is, I I think that there is an actual way to, to market an investment in some of these NFTs directly. Um, Maybe not so much art, but there are uh, interest bearing, like, not not so much interest bearing, but passive revenues of of utility NFTs that that maybe won't be able to be modeled out today, but they will definitely be able to be modeled out in the future. And I think that the game right now is is sifting through uh, a generally dilutive sector and finding you know either in art it would be those with pedigree or in you know digital and real estate or the other sectors those with long standing uh, utility value.
0: Yeah, no, I am like, uh, sorry, Tim, go for
5: it. I just want to add a little bit on on like game items. Uh so currently we are very used to game items with utility and, and that's sort of like gives value. Um but, but if you look at games like Fortnite, uh people spend like thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars just buying wearables that, that doesn't does not give them any intrinsic uh utility, but it just basically makes you stand out like it's just a bragging right? So I, I guess like if, if someone were to buy an art piece, it's basically you buying it because you like it, you want to see, you want to show it off or you want to see it yourself. If you're looking at to flip it within a year or two, then most likely your timing is not going to be on your, I mean, may not be on your side because the market is not so liquid and uh, uh it's all about trends as well. Like right now, it's just so so noisy. I think most of the funds that invested in some of this uh, non-utility NFT, they, they got in that like, really, really early, uh two years ago, which nobody sees it and then you just want to, you kind of believe in, in the whole space and you just want to invest in the marketplace or invest in some of the NFTs. And then, uh, yeah, right, finally you, you reap like maybe 1,000 extra people. But uh, it's just so illiquid that the timing may not be on your side, uh, structuring as a fund.
0: Andrew and Ben from CMS, you guys play on, on the active side a bit more than I think the other people here. Do you guys ever think there'll be a time when you wake up in the morning and start aping in and out of NFTs to like just to trade or get exposure or is they like not going to happen? I
3: won't. I mean, maybe somebody at CMS does, but I I don't think like, I think it's the same way that you don't see like a ton of sort of professional liquid active desks like trading art, right? Like it's sort of the same like thesis, I think as it evolves. Like I could be completely wrong on this. Like I I would say like I'm probably one of the most bearish people most definitely within inside my organization, but like maybe even like within like larger crypto about like this whole like trend. I I don't think it's like not going to be a thing. I just like don't think it's going to be a thing that people who are professional allocators of capital are going to be like really concerned with a ton. Like there'll be niche people like that are like sort of involved in it. I just don't think it's completely relevant for like a lot of the stuff that we're sort of involved in working with or sort of putting into an investment. That being said, like if we see like real liquidity mismatches on things, like we'll, we'll buy slugs of these things. Like we bought a bunch of hash masks when it got hit. might really just purely from like, all right, this thing's going to have some value. It's like price low here. And like, we think it'll be like higher on the other end like like we we're not above like sort of like interacting with any of this stuff or like trading it but like i, I just don't think it's going to be a material like line of like business for us like if we were to do anything in this it would be backing some sort of infrastructure for it that can like play and even then it would be like a bit of a leap for us
7: Dude, interesting. did you just say i won't wake up and do this and then you said oh we already did this
3: no, I, like, me personally won't. Like, I, I will not be the guy sitting there, like, punching
0: okay. that dog. Like, if
3: somebody wants to pitch it and, like, do it, like, I'm not I'm not going to stop that. Like, I, I just said, like, I am, like, not – this is not where I see, like, my life going in that regard. Like, it, it, I don't want to say that it's, like, a slight. I just, like, I, I'm not, like, genuinely interested in it um, from that side.
6: I mean, the interesting I, thing would be when these assets start to have, um, a, you know, legitimate price discovery – and and some stability, and then maybe you can borrow against them. So, like, if you know, hash masks or or uh, crypto punks kind of stable among the or find stable pricing among the whole collection of them, and then you could say borrow, I don't know, fifty percent of of market price of an average crypto punk against your crypto punk, and use that that capital, you know, art financing. Is a really interesting fixed income product in a world of of low yields, and so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see that come to come on chain and and start to make these these assets more productive in a direct fashion.
4: I don't know if you guys saw, but um, you know, recently, Light Crypto on Twitter tweeted that he was borrowing uh, NBA top shots in, in size. Um, you know, I think presumably the assumption is that um, he's going to be shorting those um and um from what i understand there is you know a decent amount of liquidity in in top shots i think Uh, in terms of like total market cap it's in the hundreds of of millions i think some put estimates at almost a billion and uh in terms of like what you can find in terms of borrow i heard it's something along the lines of like five million plus like pretty easily um i have no idea um you know what it takes to kind of like make meaningful market impact in that space but um you know some people have thought about it as like an interesting hedge against against alts, and um you know like being how illiquid these things are you know it could be a lot easier for someone to kind of just um you know like topple topple the market right it is for for a specific nft category than it is for say um you know your favorite alt on on binance but uh yeah i mean like after play trading nfts is is getting there we we don't do any of it but uh, it's getting big enough to asset class yeah, I mean, Tom. I know you guys have the 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 piece where you kind of picked apart some issues with it, but uh, NFTX uh, feels like the one of this the style, at least, of solutions
7: that would be interesting for what Ryan was talking about, right? Just giving a, a way that you can establish a price for like the floor uh, assets within a, within a certain collection.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. The thing I struggle with is I feel like. Um, I'm trying to figure out what, like, the native crypto art world looks like 20 years out. Like, you know, is Beeple, like, the next Picasso? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just very hard for me to contextualize what, like, a crypto native famous art world kind of looks like and if that's actually realistic. Do you guys think that's going to happen or do you think it's kind of far out?
7: It's going to be, like, a lot more kind of meme-driven, right? I mean, not not that traditional art isn't meme-driven in its own way, but it, it just feels... Like every everything that we see in crypto, and and even like
0: equities markets, just on steroids, where people can find ways to like rally around art with a story, and then just like pump certain things to insane, insane levels. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. It's kind of hard to to invest in and out. Well, guys, the I want to go kind of go back to our top plays for a second. Andrew, you mentioned Bancor. Didn't Bancor get a lot of hate like way back? Like why are they attracting so much liquidity now? What's the difference? Is it just the IL insurance or sorry, IL protection that you mentioned? And if you kind of go into a little bit like how that works, that'd be awesome.
4: Yeah. I mean, like Bancor was the first project to have like a working automated market maker. Um, They were um, preceding Uniswap actually. And um, I guess, you know, in in terms of like actual adoption, Uniswap just was kind of able to you know, take all the tension away. Um, v one uh, of Uniswap, everything was kind of paired up against ETH, um, and I guess you know people wanted to uh, provide liquidity against ETH more than they wanted to provide liquidity against BNT. Um, and V two, right? You can provide against any asset, and so in that sense, Bancor is a little more constraining. Um, v one and V two were, but and V two point one, which is the current version. Uh, you can do single-sided liquidity provisioning, which means that uh, I can just provide liquidity in, say, if, if we're talking about like a market pair, BNT versus USDC, I can just provide the USDC side, or I can just provide the BNT side, right? Which kind of lets me uh, get like, a little, a lot more specific about the exposure that I want to take on. And um, uh, in terms of how it works, right? IL protection. Uh, it essentially covers a loss of uh, people that might suffer impermanent loss by, by minting new BNT. Um, I was a little bit skeptical about this model when I first heard about it because, you know, you're just kind of printing money out of thin air to kind of cover losses. But uh, when you actually look at the historical data that's been out, um, and this has been run on analysis of um, you know tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of liquidity, you see that. In actuality, the fees that are generated from this system are pretty much on par with both the realized and unrealized losses associated with impermanent loss. Uh, I think, and and the reason why they're able to kind of make this work is that they are very specific about the assets that they whitelist for IL protection. So, you know, they're not going to whitelist something that is, say, something very new on the market and, you know, it's at risk of, you know, moving up 5x in, you know, two days cause that would cause a lot of internal loss. They're they're more so white listing, you know, blue chip, very stable stuff. Uh, you know, stuff that can still, you know, 3A5X, but maybe over like a longer time
0: frame. It's awesome, caller, Andrew. No, it's it's awesome. I agree with you. I was probably a little reticent on just printing money, but to be honest, it works and it's obviously attracting liquidity because it's one of the biggest problems for AMMs right now is just that IL frankly irritating and hard to track. So it's kind of cool that they're uh they're driving in there. And to go back to. In, a, in an sorry. industry
6: that is known for terrible, terrible names, from <laughs> ICOs to NFTs, the worst
0: name of all the names is impermanent loss, I think. <laughs> it, it took me about six months to figure out what exactly it was. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's hard to figure out and track. But Hassan, Sasha, and and probably CMS, well, I keep saying CMS, but Dan uh, of CMS, because it's too dense here. Um, the SBF trades, obviously a big deal. What is, what are your guys' take on that? Like, are we running out of room there? Are there new plays? Should we just ape into new things? And two, do you think he's actually building a community beyond money? Because it feels like Solana solid, but, and so are others, but I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to figure that out.
3: Yeah. I mean, like, like we in particular, like we've been very close with Alameda and FCS sort of out of the gate. Um, and, Ryan, who ran um, Asia for me, went there very early on, so like we we we've had a line in them directly, and, and in general, we have just tried to align ourselves economically to like whatever they've sort of been working on, um, which is obviously it's been a great trade. But even beyond that, like I, I, the the speed and iteration, and sort of like their ability to like interact with the market is is pretty incredible. Um, I would definitely not bet against them um, on that sort of side of the things it, it, in reflection of like serum and the ecosystem that's getting built up. Like we, we've tried to participate sort of in every level of that as well. And and we're a buyer of like, they're going to force this thing into existence to work like regardless of like what anybody else like is thinking. So like I'm, I'm confident that that'll happen whether or not sort of the, the market comes to it once it's like built. Um, I don't know. Like I, I'm getting there. Like I mean, Jump's a big participant in, in this thing. Like that, that's a big vote of confidence. They're probably the largest market maker in all of crypto. Um, like they they have a ton of existing clientele from the FTX side that are all like very active folk that they're like very close to that. I think they'll be able to port over. I, I, like I said, like, this sort of falls back into like our original thesis that there, there's going to be a performant exchange operating in a completely dex fashion on derivatives. Um, that's competitive with like real venues in the top five. I think that's our most like probably that's probably our most real like true bet that we've made is like that whole ecosystem build out. Um, it, it's it's we've made others in like other places in this thing. Um, it's just really that depth of talent and like sort of those folks that are building it or just they're they're kind of a leap ahead about everybody else that's building stuff right now. Um, but no that, that, that tends to be how we think about it. Like, should you ape into everything? Like, I, some, I mean, you really do have to look at, like, the fully booted valuations of a lot of these things and, like, sort of where your time horizons are and whether you're being a trader or an investor. Like, it, I think right. we're living in a world where, like, everything is just bid up to, like, nosebleed valuations. And, like, look, when there's, like, momentum on everything, that's fine. But you, like, really have to, like, just because, like, something may get to a massive valuation in the utility doesn't mean you have to pay for it today. I think people really should be cognizant of that when they're like making risk decisions, which they're not right now, I would
1: say. I mean, and and to kind of like, like back that up, I think, I think what traders or investors or capital allocators are noticing is that everything that you put money into that he, he puts his name behind, you make money generally. Like there's not, I can't think of like something that, I mean, I'm sure there's like a product out there that, that we've, we've invested in that hasn't made money, but for the most part, like, FTT serum, even Fida radium. Uh, I'm sure the oxyio IEO is going to rip. Like when Mangle markets comes, that's going to rip. And for the most part, like astute traders follow money, and and if you're in his stuff, you tend not to lose money. And and yeah, like to to, to Dan's point, it's true that there these fully diluted valuations are in in uh, in the upwards of like five to ten billion dollars. But right now I don't have to worry about that and I don't have to worry about that for at least a year. And I think, you know, he, I believe that you invest in people in this space, you find the right people and you back them and you let them do their thing. And obviously we're not as close with them as, as, as CMS is, but for the most part, like if you just follow the talent, you're going to make money because that person's going to outwork everyone else. And I mean, they were the first with products regarding like the exchange token index and things like that. And, I think smart traders just follow money and I think he's going to keep making money for people and that will attract more money. And I think through that evolution of just naturally seeing things trade up and establishing a higher and higher floor, uh, it's going to work eventually. Now the time horizon thing is super important. Like obviously, you know, serum has a seven year vest and it'll, you know, it starts to vest in like, I think next August and obviously serum will calm down. But for the most part, their new product launches work and
2: uh their products work um yeah that's my thoughts there i i would not want to uh i think i think dan said this i would not
0: want to bet against someone like spf like, oh god no i would like never. this, this will yeah, no. this will work by
2: uh you know Plaza plomo like it's gonna it's gonna work yeah, no, <laughs> and just, you just have to accept it
0: i just can't stay awake every day as long as he can i know i'll lose uh lisa i brought you just on stage and sure if you had a question for the group or want to chime in
5: Yes, I do. Thank you for bringing me on board. So I'm just going to bring the down the conversation back a little bit further to what Andrew was speaking just now, where the biggest risk of A.M.M. is actually I.L. But if you if you look at the the different kind of risks involved in A.M.M., there is one other risk called beta slippage that is prevalent in any portfolio management um, mechanisms anyway, and this is quite evident in A.M.M. or in yeah, A.M.M. style DEXs, that's around, and it doesn't even have to be dexes. it's just any form of AMMs. So what are your thoughts on IL versus beta slippage, and how do you justify the risks of beta
4: slippage? Sorry, Lisa, was that a question for me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. thank you.
4: Yeah, I mean like, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question because impermanent loss in terms of like the beta effect is kind of the opposite of, uh, if you're familiar with leverage tokens, where um, with leverage um, tokens you have like a lot of beta decay and markets that are very reverting, and um, you know what, what I mean by that is so say like Bitcoin goes from like 10k to 11k back to 10k back to 11k back to 10k like that's not very good for um, you know someone that's holding a leverage token because what that leverage token ends up doing is it ends up buying high and and selling low continuously, whereas for AMMs it's kind of the opposite. Or um, you know, if you have that type of price action, you get what's called like a lot of volatility harvesting, and um, you know, LPs make quite a bit of money. On the other side of things, like AMMs or like LPs are really bad in, in trending markets, and so you know, the further away you get from your start price, the more important loss you have, and kind of like that's that's the, that's the beta factor of it, right? And and um, uh, and so yeah, I mean, that's something that like it's hard to hedge against with perfectly, you know, you can try to do it with say options or you can try to do it with, you know, Delta hedging, but um, you know, that's, that it gets kind of pretty complex and it's not something that we get into, but I think there are some, you know, large scale industrial farmers that will uh, use those mechanisms to hedge.
2: And I think, I think, sorry to cut in. I think that's evident in what you see on, on the AMM curve. Like you're seeing most of the most of the funding going to like ETH stables. You know, to Andrew's point, like when you when you become an LP of a you know asset to stable coin pool, you you can effectively, you know, delta hedge if you so chose. Whereas if you go to asset to asset pools, you know, you're you're I mean you're gonna need a full team to take care of that. So I think that's why you see it fat at the top and skinny as you go down, because it's just much easier to to play this AMM game and to play the LP game when you only have to worry about one asset relative to the dollar.
0: Great answer, guys. No, that makes sense. I'm going to bring somebody else on stage, but I, goodness, I lost Sam. I thought he was still on there. But uh, has anybody else aped into anything this week? I know we're kind of getting off the professional feel and back into like PA and ape you know, season, but is anybody looking at anything that they thought of and jumped into this week? Engine, bro. <laughs> on that announcement? Nice, nice. Uh, before, but yeah. <laughs> <Sad>. <laughs> I, think,
1: um, I think they have more good news coming too. Don't quote me. Matt. I think
6: they have more good news coming too. Yeah, we we dove into something that, that has been a while in the making where part of this thesis around, okay, these in-game assets can start to yield and you can start to treat them like you'll you know, DeFi yielding assets has been has kind of led us down a path to okay, but you know, what is the most compelling game? And 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 like what is a game that has sort of a, a depth of of thought in it, where you're literally in this world with advanced economies where you can like have, you know, Airbnbs and hotels and restaurants and and run cities and things like that. And so we found this amazing team up in Denmark uh, bright star who has made amber sword which has been a multi year uh, endeavor for them and just to sit down with him and like dive down the rabbit hole of where this goes between the in game items stacked on the land and within towns and you've got you know, settlement lots versus regular lots, and they have different income profiles and, and different businesses that you can run on top of them that don't necessarily take away from like the warrior gameplay between players, but can kind of make it more epic around there. So if you're playing this like MMORPG, but you're playing in, the, in this like real world of towns filled with people doing things, and, and then, and then, you know you have these missions within these very complex economies I think that's something that that we're getting more and more excited about and this is a perfect example of of just like that next step of going from really sort of simple like card games like my card hits your card does it win does it does it lose to to, to you know to, to very complex dynamics between players and and actors in the game um and so we're super excited about that and uh i'm super excited to, to have some some people in here uh, along the ride for that
0: that's awesome Ryan. Yeah now super super excited for ember's game um really excited for that i know ember, what, just em,
6: yeah ember ember sword
0: but, ember sword uh, sorry yeah, yeah, yeah I, I was yeah, ember sword. <laughs> yeah no one no great great coverage of that super exciting and uh i want to respect everyone's time so we'll close out in five minutes dave i'll give you the last question
4: yeah i just had a question for dan actually um dan there's been a, a cameron explosion of uh, bsc yield farms recently um and as uh, an original member of the yam team i was just wondering your thoughts on that and what are your what what, what do you think the uh the next six months looks like and, and where's the real value of maybe a wi-fi type of yield farming or or, or um uh, what what are your thoughts on just this explosion of yield farms?
7: You know, we we've started to dig into the to the BSC ecosystem. I'm not super deep in it yet. Uh, I think you know, if people want to run yield farms that that are really just yield farms and not really trying to ladder up into anything else, uh, doing a a cheap chain seems like a, a good thing to do. Um, but I, I'm I'm more interested in seeing how people are. Evolving the model and making it more thoughtful—it's—it's it's really hard. I mean, working with a lot of a lot of early stage teams, it's really challenging figuring out the right incentives and right way to distribute tokens out there, um, because a lot of folks genuinely want to make sure that they're getting tokens into the hands of community members and creating the right incentives. And most of the schemes that I, I've seen to date just end up with tokens getting into the hands of the people with the most capital. Um, and that's kind of like the way the world works. It's it's going to keep working, but uh, I'm I'm impressed with the creative solutions um, beyond just kind of like retroactive airdrops that we're we're starting to see some teams come up with. Um, and so I hope people will
0: focus more on what's the goal and what kind of community do you want to create, rather than just like what's the best way to create a, a fun casino. That's awesome, Dan. No, that's that's a blast. Well, guys, I want to respect everyone's time. So it was really great to have everyone on. It's a power group for everyone. For anyone that got here late and wants to relist, we're going to post on the pod channel. But the Hero Gang loved the SBF trade and Hero. Uh, CMS loved the Perp trade and and a bunch of others. Um, Andrew talked a lot about Bancor and Stables. Tim gave a lot of good color on CoinGecko and how you guys work. Ryan, you had a great take on just games in general with Ember Sword and others and just yield opportunities. Lisa, great questions on on IL. Dan, you're always bringing, bringing the heat. I love it. A um, lot of good uh, discussion on stablecoins, including Frax, ESD, um, and Faye. I'm remembering back to the earlier combo <laughs> as well. So I want to just thank everyone for uh, for coming on. I really appreciate your time.
6: All right. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for everything that you do in this space. It's great. Uh, we appreciate you. Awesome, man. Appreciate you, too. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate
0: thanks. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Have a great night, thanks, everyone. Tom. And talk soon. Thanks, thanks again, Tom. Lisa, too. Cheers. Take care.
5: Thank
0: you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on iTunes, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our next episode. Out soon.